0: Hello and welcome to the third family history podcast from British Genes. I'm Chris Payton bringing you some of the latest news and developments in the British and Irish genealogical world from what has been a fairly sunny enclave here in Scotland over the last month. Before I get underway with the latest developments, I have to first apologize for the slight delay in getting this podcast online. It's been an exceptionally busy few weeks for me personally with a trip to hospital to have some minor surgery carried out at the same time as canvassing and campaigning locally for the United Kingdom general election. And what an experience that was. Some of you may have seen a report on the UK national news just prior to the election, describing a visit to Largs by our First Minister, Nicholas Sturgeon. Well, I was involved with the local campaign team that day and I've never seen a grassroots event like it even compared to the rallies last year during the independence referendum. Needless to say, my family and I got the requisite selfies with our First Minister. Just as excitingly, within the last month, I've also made two trips south of the border to England for specific genealogical events. The first of these was a a visit for a day to Scotch Corner in Yorkshire, to the Cleveland, North Yorkshire and South Durham Family History Society, where I gave talks on both Irish genealogy resources that can be found online and on the intricacies of Scottish marriage law and how that has differed historically from English marriage law. It was a well-attended event and another one to tick off my bucket list because although I've given talks in England on several occasions in the past, at family history fairs and at the Society of Genealogists in London, this was in fact the very first time I had ever given a talk to a family history society south of the border. Although both talks were well received, the second one really touched a chord in particular, as several folk in the audience had connections to people who had historically married just over the border in Scotland, via what were known as marriages by declaration. These were an old form of irregular marriage which was permissible here until 1939, most famously celebrated at Gretna Green, but in fact legally contractable across the whole of Scotland. One of the fun parts in giving talks is in the things that I learned from the audience during the questions and answers at the end and one lady in particular was able to tell me about how those who married in Scotland were later treated by their own Church of England parishes upon their return home and how such marriages were then recorded in Church of England vestry records. It was all very interesting stuff and a huge thank you to all who made the day the success that it was. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was good to catch up with some familiar faces also, such as Bob Blatchford, publisher of the Family and Local History Handbook, and many others. The second event, of course, was Who Do You Think You Are Live? at the NEC in Birmingham, which was quite simply brilliant. Now, I've attended every show to date so far in London, all bar the very first one, and I have to say that the move to Birmingham was just genius – Not only was the venue considerably bigger than that at Kensington's Olympia, the previous venue, with far better facilities on site, but from a personal point of view, it was much easier to get to. Normally, when I travelled to the event in London, I would get an overnight bus down the night before it started, from Glasgow, and then I'd have to travel from Victoria bus station across London to Kensington by underground. Whilst on my return, I would get the overnight train back. So that would often mean being away for five days at a time. Well, this year, I simply flew from Glasgow to Birmingham Airport on the morning of the first day of the event. And after my arrival, I literally walked into the NEC just five minutes later. It was incredible. Similarly, I was able to fly straight back and be home in large for 8 o'clock p.m. on the Saturday evening, the last day of the event. It was all so civilised. Now at the event I had the pleasure of working for the three days on the Unlock the Past Cruises stall with company owner Alan Phillips. You'll find Unlock the Past Cruises at www.unlockthepastcruises.com Not only were we busy throughout but the event itself seemed to be just as busy as any of the previous shows in London. It was therefore fantastic to hear that the event itself is to remain at Birmingham for the next couple of years at least. Although there was some confusion about the dates for next year's show when the organisers initially suggested it would be held from April the 28th to the 30th, only to then announce that this has now been changed to April the 6th to the 8th. So please bear that in mind, folks. It will definitely be held from April the 6th to the 8th next year. Forget anything else you may have heard. Of course, with Who Do You Think You Are Live? being such a large event, you tend to bump into all sorts of folk, And on this occasion, I managed to record three short interviews, especially for this podcast. For those of you who have never attended the show, there are always a wide variety of exhibitors present, including some of the biggest online vendor names. Ancestry was there promoting its new DNA Ancestry test, for example, whilst Find My Past was promoting its forthcoming 1939 National Identity Register database for England and Wales. One of the items I was particularly interested to note, however, was the major release of further tithes, records and maps for England and Wales by the Genealogist website, as well as a new military release from the company for the First World War. Now, I'm very familiar with Irish tithe records, which provide a useful census substitute from the late 1820s and the early 1830s. But as I've not had to use the English equivalents before, I wanted to learn a bit more. So who better to talk to, then, than the genealogist's very own, Mark Bailey. Hello Mark, so you're obviously back again for Who Do You Think You Are Live? and it seems to be just as busy as ever, how have you found the show so far?
1: Yeah, hi Chris, yeah it's been brilliant here, we're we're liking the new venue we have put in the NEC in Birmingham. It's a nice change for us.
0: Nice um, nice carpets. (laughs) Yes, nice carpets, (laughs) great colour. (laughs) And you've obviously been here every year uh, as one of the major exhibitors, so every time you come here every year, there's always something new that you bring to the party. What, what, what's the kind of the big release this year then for uh, for the genealogists in terms of what they're releasing?
1: Well, yeah, this year we've gone out in a big way as usual. We've had millions of records released, um, mainly tithe records. We've also released tithe maps,
0: military medals, and parish records. So tell me a bit about the tithe records, because I know they were released a while back, but it was the first part of the collection. But tell me what the tithe records were and what you've added to it. Sure, and, yeah. And how you use them, really. What are they for? Yeah.
1: OK, so the first part of the tithe records we released were the apportionment part uh, for the England. Now, the apportionment records uh, tell you who owns the land, who rents the land, what the land is used for, and a description of the land, as well as the size of it, and then how much tithe was to be, due to be paid on it. What sort of period are we talking then? So the records? tithe national survey started in 1836, but it can include updates up to about
0: 1936. Oh, as late as that? Yeah. I do about that, OK. And so the you, your first batch was released, what, about a year ago? Would that have yeah. about right? Or? Yeah, we released for the Who Do You Think You Are last this year. The last event, OK. So, yeah. so what, how's it been updated
1: this year? What's the sort of addition to the, the,
0: the collection yeah. this year,
1: then? So this year we've released all of Wales. So now we've got a complete set for England and Wales for the apportionment records. The most exciting bit, though, is the maps. We've released over 10 counties for the show, and we hope to release the rest of the uh, country in the next few months.
0: Right. I was talking to your father yesterday He was talking about maps. You're building huge, big sort of new scanners and things for massive maps. I, it was just it was astonishing what he was trying to achieve, you know, in terms of doing yeah. that. I mean, to
1: give you an idea of the scale of the things, the, some of the maps are as big as a room. Yeah. So you need a big piece of kit to
0: take a big photo. So the, the records that you've got on, on site at the moment, you've got the Welsh records have just been released, your sands. That yeah, that's right. Is all of England now available on the site, or have you still got a bit more to do on that? No, all of England is also complete now as well. OK, so is that now the whole collection available on the site, then? Yeah, the whole collection
1: of apportionments is available, and the, the maps will be coming in the next few months, we hope to complete soon. So what
0: else? You mentioned medal records there. What's yeah. the medal records collection you've got, then? Uh,
1: last year we released the gallantry medals uh-huh. from the Medal Index Cards. This year we've released 5 million of the campaign medals. So even if your ancestor didn't... Um, wasn't entitled to an act of gallantry medal, they could still be given an entitlement to the campaign medals. If they fought overseas in a theatre of war between 1914 and 1918, they'll be entitled to one of those campaign medals. There's those for five million you can search for.
0: Not very good. So what have you got in the works coming up for, you know, over the next year? What's kind of, what's on the the, the plan, if you like, for the next couple of years? What, What are the big projects you're looking towards then? Well, there's lots of interesting things on the
1: cards, some of which I can't talk about at the moment. (laughs) You can tell Uh, me, but you'd have to kill me. Exactly, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But uh, we're looking at more to do with maps, because that's getting a lot of interest, and our users are asking us for more. Uh Uh, So we're looking at how we can tie them in more with people's genealogy. Um, And also uh, other records to do with land ownership and uh, property ownership as well. Very good.
0: Well, I mean, it's... uh... I mean, and I see you're, busy. you're one of the few people, whenever you look to find you, you're the one doing the talk all the time. Yeah. I saw your talk schedule. That, do you get time off for good behavior at all? Or? Yeah, one or
1: two hours off here. One there. or two
0: hours. Okay, that's very cute, you know. <laughs> Listen, Mark, thanks very much indeed for that. And uh, you know, good luck for the rest of the show. And obviously, next year, we'll come back and, and see what the next big release is going to be as well.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. I look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Mark
0: tithe records and the military collections can both be accessed at the genealogist which is www.thegenealogist.co.uk and my thanks to Mark for his time well now for some major Irish news in that the National Library of Ireland has announced that its Roman Catholic parish records collections will be made available online from July the 8th on a new free to access web platform although the address for that platform has yet to be announced The plan is that the records already held by the institution on microfilm will be digitised and placed online, but they will not be indexed, meaning that you will have to browse through them a page at a time. There are a few things to be aware of though with these records. First, the coverage for the microfilms mainly tends to go up to 1880, with some parishes reaching as far as 1900. For many areas, the the registers may also start as late as 1829 when the passing of the Catholic Emancipation Act in Ireland made it much more conducive to do so. The second big thing to be aware of, however, is the way that many of the registers were actually microfilmed. I've seen a lot of Roman Catholic registers that have been photographed for some reason in reverse order, from the back of the register to the front rather than from the front to the back and in many cases, baptisms, marriages and burials are all recorded within the same volume. This means that it will not necessarily always be so straightforward to access or find what you're searching for. But I tell you what, that's how we used to do it before digitization, and by browsing you may well find all sorts of interesting stuff in the volumes that a simple keyword search for a name might miss. The quality of some of the microfilms themselves is not brilliant, But having them in a digitised format should hopefully allow for a degree of enhancement on your own computer if something is a little difficult to read. So there are all sorts of research possibilities lying ahead. How the release will impact on transcript suppliers such as Roots Ireland uh, at www.rootsireland.ie remains to be seen. Though do bear in mind that the indexes on Roots Ireland could certainly help. But wouldn't it be great, though, if the National Library of Ireland and Roots Ireland could team up and actually connect one set of data to the other? It certainly would, but I'm not sure Ireland quite works like that, but never say never. And who knows, one of the other main commercial vendors may well see an opportunity here. Sticking with Ireland for a bit, another stand that I made it my duty to visit at Who Do You Think You Are Live was that for the North of Ireland Family History Society, the only Family History Society of which I'm currently a member. My first duty was to actually renew my membership, and whilst doing that I was informed that the Society's website at www.nifhs.org is due for a revamp shortly, so do keep an eye out for that. Later on in the show I caught up again with the group's Anne Robinson, who shared some news with me about the Society's latest publication – within their Researching Your Ancestors Within the North of Ireland series, this time focusing on County Tyrone. Anne also very kindly gave me a little bit of background on the society itself. So hello Anne, we're, we're back at Who Do You Think You Are live. But the North of Ireland Family History Society has been here a few years on the trot now. How, how have you found the event this year in Birmingham?
2: Well, I think that we're probably getting a different audience this year. And there's quite a lot of interest in the stand and in the products that we're selling, like our research guides and other booklets and the maps, yep. um, the Alan Godfrey reproduction maps that we're selling.
0: You've had a queue at your stall for, for most of the day. Have you been flat out? Or?
2: Uh, we have. It comes and goes. I think whenever people go along to the talks, it's a little bit quiet. And then once the talk finishes, everybody streams out. Right. And goes round to the stems.
0: And do you have thousands of people coming to join the society then? or do you... Well,
2: <laughs> I think we've probably had about 30 people who have joined as associate members this year so far.
0: Okay. Well, t- tell me a bit about the society. I mean, how-, how long has the North of Ireland Family Society sort of been around and, and how's it made up? To... Yeah.
2: Well, we started in 1979 with one branch and we're now 12 branches strong throughout the North of Ireland. And each of those branches would meet every month and have a uh, uh, several talks held during the year at those uh, meetings.
0: Right, and the, those branches—they're—it's they're, a bit different in Northern Ireland, is not it? It's like uh, it's one society with different branches, as opposed to lots of different branches coming together yes. under some like the federation or something like that in England. You know, yes, uh,
2: it's probably because we started as one branch and then it grew from that that we have tended to keep together.
0: Right, and so
2: we we, we try to get new branches in areas where we haven't got. Uh, any representation at all
0: Right, very good. Well obviously I mean, every time you come here, the other thing you do is you usually have new products that you produce as a society and notice you've got a new book out this year, so what, what's the new book that you've got out there? Well yeah. this
2: is a series that we're going to do for the county, so it's Researching Your Ancestors in the North of Ireland and we have just done County Tyrone this year right. and the previous ones were for County Cavan and County Monaghan, so hopefully we'll get the rest of the counties done at some time
0: I've noticed this one seems a bit bigger than the previous two is Tyrone one of those places that you're tripping over records
2: <laughs> yeah, there seem to be an awful lot of churches so we've got quite a lot of sources for where people would go for church records and that's really the main reason why it's, it, it is larger
0: and the guides themselves what, what do the guides do do they tell you how to do the research or do they tell you where to find the records what's the main purpose of each of the guides for the counties it's
2: really to tell you where to go to get the sources and what's available because not each county has the same type of records so it's showing people whether they can get them locally or online or in the record offices
0: and what's the next one on the cards after Tyrone then is uh, that still to be decided it's still to be decided <laughs> right okay okay. well that's grand well um, it's great to see uh, yourselves back again you know, there's no one from Scotland here this year, but Ireland seems to be tripping over the place, and it's always good to hear the accent properly, you know. Yes. So, Anne, thanks very much indeed. Good luck with the rest of the, the show, and I hope that you get everyone else signed up by the time it's closed as, as membership of the North of Ireland Family Society. And I'll see you again next time in Belfast. Thanks
2: very much. <laughs> <laughs> thanks,
0: Anne. My thanks to Anne there for her time. Note that the society is the North of Ireland Family History Society and not the Northern Ireland Family History Society, which is why the other two guides already produced by the group are for counties Monaghan and Cavan, each of which is located within the historic province of Ulster, but not within Northern Ireland. County Donegal is another county within the historic province, which is today based within the Republic of Ireland. Just for good measure, the far north of Donegal is even further north than Northern Ireland. You're going to have all sorts of fun if you're getting underway with Irish family history. Now, a few years ago, I spent two years at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow studying for a postgraduate diploma in genealogical studies. And I've stayed in touch with many of the tutors there through the Scottish Genealogy Network and even briefly tutored on the course for my sins a couple of years back. Well, in addition to the main postgraduate programme, from this summer, a new week-long attendance-based summer institute is being established by course program director Tahisha McCabe. I managed to catch up with Tahisha towards the end of the Who Do You Think You Are live show in Birmingham to explain a bit more about it. Hello Tahisha from the University of Strathclyde. Hi, Chris. How are you?
3: I'm very well, thank you. You yes. had a busy show? It's been a busy show, yeah, yeah, yeah. a yeah. yeah. manic today. That's yeah, yeah, day, Saturday's yeah. the good day. Of course, it's the day that we're the most tired because we've been on our feet for three days. Exactly, it's the day the adrenaline kicks in, isn't
0: I, it? I, I, I. That's <laughs> the one, yeah. Um, you're obviously responsible for the postgraduate courses now at Strathclyde, mm. but you've got something happening in the summer, so tell me a wee bit about what's happening. You've got a kind of a week-long... Yeah. Just lay it on the line for you. Lay it
3: on the line for you, yeah. Well, basically, whenever I go over to the States, I I look and wonder at the the week long summer institutes uh, for genealogy that happen. And um, so I'm going to bring that model to the UK um, and uh, focus for intermediate to advanced genealogists on campus at Strathclyde um, looking at uh, a variety of different topics one day up to five days Um, it's the Summer Institute of Genealogical Studies running the 29th of June to the 3rd of July, we're doing, uh, well, Irish research with your good self, and um, Scottish Highlands with some good folks coming down from the uh, Inverness Archive, Uh, Eastern European research. And then a practical applications for genetic genealogy course, which I'm particularly excited about, with our own Alistair McDonald's. Oh, well, he, uh, knows yeah, he yep. does. Yeah, he um, does, along with um, a, a couple of other real specialists. I'm, I'm hoping that it will take off, be really popular, and we'll be able to run it uh, every year. I've, I already have a couple of star player, shall we say, lined up for, for next summer. Uh, right. But the idea is to run it every year uh, so on campus. So this isn't for
0: beginners as such, is it? It's, yeah. it's more for, is it for people who've already done some study already, yeah. to sort of finance their skills. Or what, What's the, 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 the aim behind it? Mm.
3: Well, not, not necessarily study. It's really people who know, who've know who done more than j- just the basics right. of genealogy. Okay. So the people, one to push on and get yeah. a bit further now. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Want, wanting perhaps that bit more specialist Resource or or way to to communicate their findings. I want to do more than just here's here's a resource and how to use it, but go beyond to looking at uh, different ways of, of uh, packaging up your your findings and communicating them. Um, uh, the other thing I'd love to do is do a course for genealogists, and looking at, at how to lecture, how to to be an educator, and, and run your own beginner courses, um, how to to write books and pamphlets sure. so to bring a, a wide aspect of different skills um, to the genealogical community.
0: So in terms of this week long event then, mm. just remind me of the dates again
3: 29th of June to the 3rd of July and uh,
0: to apply, how, how do you get in touch? To
3: apply, the, come on to our, our Strathclyde website and um, it's it's the, the Strathclyde website with uh, the Summer Institute at the end of the URL and uh, registration's now online it's uh, £70 for the day uh, and you can package it up postgrads from our program get a 10% discount.
0: Fantastic. So, yeah. Well, Grant, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It should be a good day. And it's only in Glasgow. It's just I, up the road. I know, yeah, fantastic. yeah, yeah. fantastic. You know, yeah, uh, yeah.
3: And the sun will be shining.
0: Of course it is. The sun's always shining in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
0: That's absolutely true. <laughs> so, Isha, thanks very much. Yeah. And, and I'll see you in June.
3: Sounds great. Thanks.
0: The full program for the event is available on the university website at www.strath.ac.uk forward slash genealogy forward slash summer institute and as a part of it I'll be involved on the Irish Research Day on Tuesday June the 30th, tutoring alongside Marie Dugan on various topics of Irish interest. Now in the final part of this podcast I just want to flag up some of the other key developments that have happened recently, but do remember that full details on all of the following stories are included on the British Genes blog at www. Dot jeans, dot blogspot, dot co. uk First up, the National Records of Scotland's online catalogue at www.nrscotland.gov.uk is finally back after being offline for a month. Problems with the server were blamed by the NRS, but the unfortunate thing about this is that so many other services were also affected, including the Scottish Archive Network catalogue and platform, the Scotland's Places website, the Scottish Handwriting website and many others. Clearly something very serious happened but the archive has now announced its reinstatement though it was also stated that work will continue to improve the resilience of its infrastructure. Now if you're interested in First World War research there have been two major developments since my previous podcast on that front. The first is that the surviving British Army service records from the campaign can now be accessed on familysearch.org sourced from the Burnt Records Collections at the National Archives at Kew. Whilst the index is freely accessible, the images can only be viewed at an LDS Family History Centre or on the site by registered members of supporting organisations. The same records have been made available on Ancestry and Find My Past for some time now. The second big development is that many British Army War Diary records from the First World War are now accessible on Ancestry allowing you to explore the daily activities of regiments during campaigns, although it's worth noting that individual soldiers are rarely named in these. If you're looking for earlier ancestors, the Medieval English Genealogy website at www.medievalgenealogy.org.uk has been updated recently with news of new published additions to the Victoria County History Series, Abstracts for almost 3,000 fines for several counties that have been added to the Feet of find section, new web links and much more. Staying with the medieval period, the England's Immigrants 1330-1550 to 1550 database at www.englandsimmigrants.com is also worth exploring. Not just for English ancestors, but for those from elsewhere around Britain and Ireland. There are at least 3,389 Scottish emigrants noted as being in England in that period from contemporary documents, as well as 2,018 Irish emigrants and 60 specifically noted as being Welsh. A huge thanks to Amanda Eberson for that tip-off from her Scottish emigration blog. Just beyond the medieval period, there will be a major conference to celebrate the opening of the National Civil War Centre at Newark Museum, on Friday the 7th and Saturday the 8th of August, organised by Leicester University's Centre for English Local History. It will feature some 19 presentations on the theme Mortality, Care and Military Welfare during the British Civil Wars. It sounds a great event, although I may have to miss this one myself. The last time I looked at the Civil War in England was for a television series in 1997 called War Walks, on which I was the researcher, we were filming the Sealed Knot Reenactment Society at a place called Ashby de la Zouche and in the midst of that I was accidentally shot by a red coat. Thankfully there was only grass packed in as wadding in the barrel of the musket but it was fairly typical of my luck at that time. I'd lived in Northern Ireland for years and I moved to England the first thing that happens I got shot by a mad Englishman with a musket. Finally, the Irish Genealogy website at www.irishgenealogy.ie now has its indexes back online for Irish civil registration records of births, marriages and deaths from 1864, and also non-Roman Catholic marriages from April 1845. There are, however, now closure periods in place to protect the living, so historic birth entries are only available from before 100 years ago. Marriage index is over 75 years old, and death index is over 50. After you have found the relevant index entry, you then need to order the original record from the General Register Office in Ireland. For details on how to do so, my new guide, Irish Family History Resources Online, the, the second edition, is now available from retailers in England, Australia and Canada. And you'll find details on these in the book section of the British Jeans blog. Well, that's it for now. Until the next podcast, keep an eye out for more news on British Jeans And remember that you can subscribe by email to a daily digest of all new stories published. To do so, simply register your email address on the site. You'll find the facility to do that on the far left-hand column of the blog, about halfway down. So bye for now, and I'll speak to you again soon.